Today, I want to share five reasons why we overfunction, why we get into this chronic state of overworking, doing too much, overgiving, and risking burning ourselves out in the process, as well as just making ourselves miserable. <laughs> so, This is Bold as Love. I'm your podcast host, April Boyd, and I'm a psychotherapist, coach, and breathwork facilitator. And this podcast is a place where we talk about how we want to show up and speak up in our lives, in our relationships, in our conversations, whether you're talking to the people that you love and adore, or whether you're dealing with the people who really push your buttons and drive you a bit crazy, this is where we start to really take responsibility for our half of that fence and looking at how we can move through our lives and these moments with more confidence, more courage, and also lots of kindness, both for the other person and for our own selves. I thank you so much for being here with me. And when I was thinking about the idea for this podcast episode, and I started to dig into this topic about overfunctioning, this zone that we get in where essentially we're just revving really high. We've got a lot of output output going out, and we may not even notice that you know, we're chronically living in this state of doing way too much, except for those moments when we start to notice getting frustrated with the people around us and when it feels like they're not quite keeping up to us, when it feels like we never have time to do the things that we'd really love to do for our own self, and when it feels like maybe you're just being a bit taken for granted and taken advantage of. And as I dig into this, you know, these five reasons that stood out to me start with this. So let's just get into it. One, a lot of people don't trust that their efforts are enough, that if they're just doing the job and getting it done, that that really is going to be satisfactory and good enough to feel okay about it. And so they get kind of stuck into this place of doubting themselves and feeling like my good enough effort is not really going to cut it. So I actually have to go above and beyond just to make sure that it's an okay standard. We don't really trust the goodness and the value of what you have to actually offer So we end up in this place of overcompensation, going above and beyond just to make sure we land in this place where it's maybe not perfect, but it's pretty close, right? That's ultimately what we're aiming for, whether we're realizing it or not. And this kind of factors into when we look at this idea of people who overgive in the workplace, right? And there may be that factor of imposter syndrome that kicks in here, right? This is really what we're looking at. Do I deserve to have the success in my life? Do I deserve to have this good job? Do I deserve to have all of these things going well around me? 
And a lot of people are operating with this place without really realizing it, this voice in their head that says, mm-mm-mm, somehow, somehow this is not really meant for you. Somehow you just kind of snuck into the VIP room, but you don't quite belong here. And the way that we make ourselves feel safe to receive the good things in our life is by overdoing and overgiving and over-delivering. The next thing that this ties into is feeling like we really have to earn it. So it's okay for me to take a break once I get all of these other things done. It's okay for me to, you know, receive this payment as long as I've like really over-delivered on what I'm offering. We're in this place of hustle and grind and wearing ourselves down. The next thing that I want to talk about is this idea of codependence, where we are functioning on behalf for other people, where we are taking responsibility for other adults in our life. Now, obviously, if you have little ones in your world, if you have young people that you take care of, that's a whole other thing right? That's healthy, normal caretaking. But this is when you're taking care of people that should be taking care of their own selves. And again, this is how we earn feeling safe in relationship. When we look at one of the features of this codependent dynamic, if we picture it like scales, right? Or like the two categories side by side, two measurements, if I'm overgiving in my relationships, right? So let's say my scale, you know, has a whole lot on it and it way outweighs their side where they're giving a fair bit, but I'm giving a whole lot. Oh, what an interesting position I've created for myself. I get to feel pretty untouchable in this, right? I'm not having to rely on them. I'm not having to be in this one down position of receiving or needing them. In fact, I've bolstered myself up on the fact that they need me more than I need them. So there's these times when we get into this place of overgiving where it looks really nice on the surface. It looks like we're just really being a super nice person, but what we're actually doing is gaining a lot of control over another adult. There's also a lot of, here's how things should be done, right? Here's what this person should be doing. It should be going my way. Let me take care of you. Let me help you with this thing. And when these habits run unchecked, We move from this place of what is loving, kind, generous support, and we move into this place that's actually inappropriate, condescending, and damaging for both parties. The other person never gets the experience giving to you and being able to offer you what you need in the relationship. Picture it like this. Let's say that you were to go out for lunch with a friend And every time you go out for lunch with this person, 
She insists on paying the bill, insists on paying the tab herself, and won't let you contribute. How many times are you actually going to go out with her before it actually just feels really uncomfortable and you don't want to do it anymore? So when we're looking at, you know, how these habits of overplaying, overgiving play out, we have to really sit back and notice, what is my motivation for this? What's the benefit I'm getting here? How does this protect me? And this overgiving can be a way that we actually just really armor up. You need me. I don't need you. I'm not going to risk being vulnerable and expecting really anything from you at all. In fact, this relationship is going to be built around the idea that I meet your needs and I don't expect you to meet mine. And these are the moments that we end up getting really resentful about and frustrated about later. But when we look at it, we have co-created these expectations. I was talking with a woman at one point in time who had left a marriage where she was just so understandably burnt out. She had really, her partner really relied on her for everything. She was really, you know, fully responsible for the childcare, kind of ran the household, really did everything and did everything for her partner as well. Not just for the kids, not just for the house, but like also for her partner who had lots of health issues. So obviously it's a complicated situation and I'm just giving some general, you know, (laughs) oversight here, but she got to this point where she was dried up and empty. She was spent, right? I often think of relationships as being like this bank account that like you need to be making deposits into each other's account. And the two of them had set up this dynamic where she was giving, 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 and he was receiving, receiving, receiving. And they both allowed it to be that way for a really long time. In fact, in the beginning of the relationship, it felt good for her to be able to take care of him, drop off meals to him, caretake for him, right? Essentially kind of taking on this bit of a mothering kind of role. Now that's fun at the beginning, but we add, you know, a whole bunch of years onto that. And eventually we're sitting there in a place where we're like, Hey, why does nobody cook me dinner? Why am I the one that always has to get groceries? Why doesn't he have to remember when anybody's birthday is, (laughs) right? And so the marriage for lots of different reasons, but a big part of it was like, she was spent, she was dried up to the point where like, she could barely even stand the sight of the guy anymore. There was so much resentment and frustration. So the marriage ended. A while later, she contacts me. She's in a new dating relationship. And as she's starting to describe, you know, her relationship with this new person, what I start to hear is she's continuing to repeat these same patterns of overgiving and overfunctioning. 
She's helping the guy find a new apartment. She's helping him coordinate things with his kids. She's dropping off meals to him because he's had a busy week, even though she works full time and a single parenting, right? Like, and so I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's just kind of take a moment and look at what's happening. What kind of relationship are you actually looking to have? Are you wanting to repeat the same relationship that you had with your ex-partner? And of course she's like, no, no, I want equality. I want to feel supported. I want to feel taken care of. And I'm like, that's great. Then we need to start to line up your actions so that you move out of the state of chronic overgiving, which blocks real relationship. But this is kind of what we do oftentimes without really noticing it. And especially as women, this is the role that we're often conditioned to take on. That part of our value is how we take care of others. Part of the social contract is that we're supposed to take care of others, right? And it's this interesting question of who benefits from that and who created these rules, right? And how can we do this better? The other thing that factors into this pattern of overfunctioning and overgiving is perfectionism. Now, when we look at this idea of perfectionism, oftentimes when I say that to people, right, I see a pattern of perfectionism here, they kind of get their backs up and say, you know, I don't expect myself to be perfect. And I'm like, of course not. But when we look at how you're actually operating in the world, these standards of perfecting, polishing, over-delivering, overdoing, over-giving constantly, sometimes we're operating from this place of, if I can just do it well enough, I will keep myself safe from judgment. If I can get to as close to perfect in whatever it is I'm executing or offering or getting done, I will be safe from feeling possibly picked on, under attack, at risk of criticism. Nobody can really tear me down if I'm coming off as flawless. There'll be nothing for them to grab onto. And this is what we're doing. It's not that we're trying to create an image of, ooh, look at me, I'm perfect. But the flip side of this really is I'm safe from attack. If I can just polish off all my rough edges, if I can just make it as squeaky clean as possible, I won't have to face the possible social risk of somebody seeing holes in my armor, of somebody finding some part of me that is less than and unworthy in their eyes. So again, this becomes about how we're seeking safety in relationship. The last thing that I want to offer, and I think this one is huge. Many people get stuck in this pattern of overdoing and over-delivering Because they're actually operating from a place of hyper arousal. 
something has triggered the nervous system to live in this state of constant and chronic fight or flight. And maybe that's a history of trauma. Maybe that's been, you know, what we call the big T trauma. There was like one big event that really rocked the system. Maybe there's the small T traumas, all of those things that really just still impact us, even though they're not exactly like newsline headline worthy, right? But they have an impact. And then there's the chronic stress of just living in a state of too much pressure, too much demand, too much that's happening that's maybe bearable, but at the same time, not really okay if we're getting really honest with ourselves, right? If we were to stop and really look at it. So looking at really this idea of like, what is the air you're breathing, right? If you're living in this place of chronic stress, what is the reality of your life really? And sometimes that's present day conditions, like the environment and the relationships around you. And sometimes that's like the old trauma, the old history, the old stories, the old limiting beliefs, the old wounds and injuries that keep us essentially feeling unsafe in the world. Like we can't trust life, like we can't fully trust ourselves. And the only, and we're stuck in this state of I can't slow down and I can't relax because this fight or flight thing, as you probably already know, because this is, you know, there's this getting a lot of discussion and publicity these days, which I think is really fantastic. When we're looking at the neuroscience and the physiology of how our bodies respond to stress, how our bodies and our nervous systems respond to trauma, you know, this is why we kind of have to go to this place of, you know, I think of it as like this two-pronged system. Yes, we need to talk things out and process things and find, you know, meaning and kind of how to make sense of what has gone on in your world and how you want to move through that. But then there's also like the body remembers, right? It's like that book that the body keeps a score, which is actually fantastic to check out. We carry our memories in a physical way, literally. Our bodies stay, the stress hormones stay jacked up and we're living in this state as if we are under acute danger, right? Because this is what fight or flight is for. This is what this nervous system response is for. It's to give us the fuel that we need to be able to run away really fast or physically defend ourselves, which is why, you know, if you ever find yourself kind of pacing around the house, unable to kind of even just like fully focus on a task or put up your feet and relax when the day's over and you should just be able to like chill out a little bit, but you can't because your system is still charged up. So this is the stuff I find so interesting and so powerful. And this is why I'm doing the Reset Our Mindset program. It is starting this Friday, November 29th. That's when you get your first package of audios. And that's when we do our first breathwork session. Mm, this two-prong approach 
We're going to work on the mindset habits, the retraining your brain into new ways of thinking and moving through problems and situations, and just what you're carrying into the room with you, right? Starting to take control and responsibility for the things you're saying to yourself, the things you're saying out loud, right? All that stuff that just keeps the brain stuck in this place of chaos, overwhelm, anxiety, overfunctioning chaos. So we're going to work on like some practical tools for some of that, that you can integrate into your day. None of this is intended to be like big extra work for you to fit into your busy life. These are supposed to be things and tools that you learn to integrate into your life. You learn to integrate as you're driving your car, as you're doing your hair, as you're cleaning your house, right? Like that just become accessible, right? And obviously not every one of them is meant to be done while you're in your car, but some of these thinking habits, right? Some of these mindset strategies, we're trying to essentially update the software in your brain. That's what we're doing. And then the three breath work sessions, as you, if you've been listening for a while, you know, this stuff is like, Oh, so deep in like my heart because it knocks your socks off. Breathwork is not just taking a few deep breaths to calm down, although that can be cool if you have a practice like that. Sometimes I talk to people and they say, oh yeah, I know breathwork from my yoga. This is different. (laughs) I cannot even emphasize how different it is. I've done lots of those things. I'm sure not all of those things, but like Breathwork, transformation breathwork. This is what we're talking about here. Transformation breathwork. It is deep level healing. The first breathwork session I did, I I don't even know a different way to say this. I felt like I was talking to universe slash God, whatever you want to call a higher power. I felt suddenly so lit up with like insights, downloads, breakthroughs, It was amazing. And it felt like a year's worth of therapy in a single session. Like it was insane. And this is kind of what it is. Obviously it's different every time. There's times when I do a breathwork session for myself and it feels, you know, a little less dramatic than that, but every time is powerful every time is healing, there is stuff moving through the system. Like, so as I do breathwork sessions, I'm just sharing with you my own personal experience. It's like the body is being the soul, the mind, the heart is being wrung out. Like how he would wring out a dishcloth. There's stuff that comes out that I'm like, I have not consciously thought about this thing or that person for like 10 years. And yet here I am crying crying and releasing the old trauma that got held in my body from that person or situation or time. And this is why I believe in this work so much because there's just, it lets us go deeper than talk therapy. I'm a huge fan of talk therapy and I'm going to be doing that work until the day I die. But this allows us to do both, right? We can tackle things from that cognitive processing and move into things of like what I'm carrying at that deep cellular level. 
So I'm going to put the link to that group in the show notes here. You can also DM me or email me if you have questions. And I'm also offering a invite a friend to join you for free um, because this is powerful work and it would be great to do with a buddy. (laughs) So uh, yes, message me, let me know. And if you found this episode helpful in any way, the best way to support a podcaster is to share this with somebody who would also benefit from that. That helps me get my work into the world and keep doing this which is great because I love to do it. So thanks for being here with me. I appreciate your time. Adios.